I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project, and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Potabing. And if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm slash Potabing. To play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights, DM at Potabing on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is my conversation with John Ventimiglia. John played Artie Bucco on the show. We met up in the Carroll Gardens section of Brooklyn and talked over lunch. Pretty fitting, I thought. Breaking bread with the man that fed Tony and both of his families for six seasons. Great neighborhood, great environment, great meal, and great company. So here it is, my fun chat over lunch with John Ventimiglia. John, thanks for doing this. All right. It's a pleasure to be here with you in Brooklyn. Who's John Ventimiglia? Where'd you grow up? And what kinds of things were you into as a young adult? Oh. Um, well, my, my parents came from Sicily, both of them. And uh, first place we moved to was Ridgewood, Queens, which I guess is kind of like Bushwick now. Okay. Or it's, or it's still Ridgewood, I don't know. I was only there for the first year and a half of my life. And then we, uh, we moved to Teaneck, New Jersey, just across the Hudson yeah. River. And uh, there's lots of grass, <laughs> you know? Play catch. Had a garage. Nice. Had a whole big house. Uh, all, you know, all the, uh, all the necessities. Uh-huh. Uh, I have two older brothers very close in age. So I always had people to play with, okay. you know, when I was very little. Uh, I, I had trouble sleeping as a kid, so I Why? would, I don't know, you know, I was very young. Was it apnea or like an no, asthmatic thing? No, just, just an overactive mind probably, okay. you know, too much energy. Uh, and I would go downstairs where my parents were hanging out watching the late show or whatever. And my dad would say, all right, sit on the couch. He didn't say go back to bed, you know. And there'd be like some movie on in black and white or whatever. And that was, that went on for a little while. And I'd wake up back in my bed the next morning. So I'd just fall asleep watching the, whatever was on. And I remember like seeing the Marx Brothers for the first time, um, you know, classics. Sure. Bogart, whatever. And it was just, it was the image. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. But. No context, just hearing words. Uh, yeah, hearing words. I mean, I got it, lights. I guess. A, a sense of if there was danger or something like that going on, but it was more the the image that really stuck in my mind, and I knew really young that I wanted to I wanted to do something like that. Act yeah. or be behind a camera. No, I wanted to act. Okay, how old do you think you were when you figured that out? Four. Wow. 
And were your parents supportive? Or were they kind of always, like, always from Sicily? They were an old school, traditional. My dad played the trumpet, so he had some art, artistic, family. some artistic that always vibe me. in him, you know. And I wanted to play the piano, and uh, so I either wanted to, be, I wanted to be a piano player, I wanted to be an actor, performer, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, I used to like try to tap dance and sing like Louis Armstrong, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. And, Do you play anything now? Uh, I I'm self-taught in the piano okay. and guitar. Can you play classical stuff? Like yeah, I, I write my own stuff. The jazz or no? What genre would you describe uh, yourself as? Well, it's it's a mix of things. Okay. You know, I was working on a project that took place in Paris in the twenties with Man Ray. Okay. And the Surrealists. Yeah, yeah. It's right after World War One. Yeah. So that music has that kind of feel to it. You know. What was your uh, a little rhythm? You know. Favorite band growing up? Like what kind of music Beatles. were you into? Beatles. Yeah, Beatles. Uh, Elton John. Elton John's you know, amazing. Amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I had a friend who had an older sister and brother that had all these records. So we discovered everything from Bread to Elton John to, you know, had all the Beatle records. Sure. And we started from the beginning, really. So, like, Love Me Do and Postman and songs like From Me to You. you of know, course. Well, that was a little later, but. And it just blew our minds, man. We just sit there listening to these songs and our heads were exploding. Have you seen the movie that came out about Elton John, Rocket Man? Yeah, I did. What'd you think about it? Um, I haven't seen it because I feel like Elton John is sacrosanct. Well, I, I didn't really understand how much suffering he went through because primarily couldn't come out and be who he was, right, right, right. really was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I got, I got emotional because those are songs I grew up with, man. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got... I don't know how many amazing Elton John songs are in that movie, but there's a lot. What's your favorite Elton John song? If you had to name one, if you had to go into a dark room and knock them uh, out for 30 days, which one would you take with you? Here we are. Oh, sorry. He just fell right off. Yep, about that. that's all right. Thank you very much. Can I have you all everything that you need at the moment? Yes. All right. Yeah, we're sure. good. Okay. Thanks. That's hard, man. Um, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to think of because there's so many. I mean, there's like the mellower ones like Daniel and Your Song and, you know, Rocket Man, of course, you right. know. I'd probably take Mona Lisa's and Manhattan's. Oh, yeah. Deep cut, but uh -huh. still. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I lived in New York long enough to miss it when I'm not here. Right. And that song reminds me of New York. Right. Kind of like New York State of Mind, Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So one of those that's, take that's you back. one of his good ones, yeah. One of those take you back songs. Yeah, I, I also, I went to see Billy Joel when I, I saw Peter Frampton okay. in the garden when I was 12. And it was the first time I ever smoked pot. And, um, and then I saw uh, Billy Joel the next year. You know, it's crazy your parents let you go to the garden on your own. Like, they drop you off and pick you up. When you're 12 or 13 years old, man, back then in the 70s, you know. I have a six-year-old now, and in this culture, in this society, I can't see myself doing that. Not yet, at least. I might change when yeah. he's 12. But right now, the thought of it's dropping hard. him off, even at school, is like, you know, yeah. makes you do a double take of the world that we live in and, like, what's going on. And, they're doing drills now for shootings. You know, like he just started kindergarten sure, and man. they had to do like a sort of like a debriefing on it. And he comes back home and he's like, so 
there's a room that we have to go in whenever there's like an emergency and it's kind of like I never we never learned that we learned about stop drop and roll we had that for fire drills you had that yeah we had that in New Jersey when I was in kindergarten yeah we had to go to the fallout a bomb shelter. fallout shelter yeah yeah they bring you down into this room and you saw that sign that orange and black sign the ominous sign yeah you get get underneath the desk or some for a couple of minutes and then and then you file back out again yeah as a kid doing it I thought it was cool but as a parent, I it's it so, weird, man. It is weird. It still is weird. It's, and letting him go to a concert. I mean, I'd, li- I'd love to go to a concert with him if he still thinks I'm cool enough to go. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you know in six years. Um, you mentioned TV, and I'm sure it was probably Johnny Carson uh, that you were watching, that you saw. What were some of your early acting inspirations when you were actually... Jerry Lewis? You know, I was a kid. To yeah. me, he was like the, the greatest. <laughs> Um, but I think I love Lucy. I mean, these are things that my mom were watching that I sure. was watching, you know. But these were her favorite show, like The Honeymooners. And Michael mentioned The Honeymooners, too. Yeah, there was a lot, of, it was a lot of comedy, a lot of physical, broad comedy. I feel like The Honeymooners is like canon to you guys in a lot of ways. Even David Chase is like a lot totally. of the Sopranos, the, the tone and cadence, yeah. the, the dialogue, it was very Honeymooners-y. James one time, said to me, you know what, we should do the honeymooners. I'll be Ralph and you be Norton. Amazing. So it was sort of like in the DNA of all you guys. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm very physical. Yeah. And I was physical as Arthur. There was that kind of a silent comedy about it. Yeah. I thought the show was going to be a comedy at the beginning. A lot of people did. Because it was funny. The hand gestures that our Arthur did, uh, was that, some of that was, was that you? It's all from my family. Oh, I made it up. You know, I... My grandparents, my aunt, my uncle, they, they all speak Sicilian. So when they're talking to you, yeah. everything's hands. Yeah. So I made some up. David took me into a room one time and he showed me some Italian guy doing hand signals. And he was just crying with laughter because he loved what I was doing with that. Yeah. He really connect- it's hysterical. He really connected to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, everything's good. Thank you. And it's aged well, by the way. It's still like yeah. so... There's something real about it. Timeless and real. And it's hilarious. Um, there's times when like, you know, the guys are at the table and I come over to the table and I say something and I just lose it, man. Stevie Van Zandt couldn't keep a straight face around me. I'm sure. I'd say, hey, you, you, I heard your daughter got it at the Holy Cross. <laughs> I cut. <laughs> What's amazing is what I've, what I've learned in this project is that everything was very tightly scripted. So there yeah. was no improvisation, but it was so good in the way you guys delivered the lines to each other. Yeah. It felt improvisational. That accurate? Especially at Vesuvio. I improved in the pilot. What part? Uh, when, when Tony comes to meet me in the kitchen and I say to the, the cook, I said, I say something like, I said, uh, I said, uh, I said a spurt, not a... I said a spurt. Oh, not yeah. A, not a splash or whatever, right. you know? Right, right, right. I, no, I said a splash, not a spurt. That's a spurt. You know? I, there was a few things I did, because I didn't know who David Who was David did? I mean, of course, he was a guy trying to make a TV show. Yeah, yeah. I've already done, done that. I, I used to improvise on so many shows I was on. Yeah. I don't want to put a number on it, but it feels like there's a lot more shows that allow for a little bit of leeway than what The Sopranos was. A being, little bit. You Wes Anderson movies are very tightly scripted. 
David Chase productions are very tightly scripted, but there's a lot of places where you can dance I'm a, a little. I'm, I'm a guy that can like stick something in somewhere because it feels right and it's in the moment. Yeah, and I know yeah. it's right. And they'll say, I like that. That was good. Yeah. But you never say it to the director before no. you, when you're going to do it. You want to work again. They'll say, that's not my, I, it's not my idea. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. But if you stick it in there, they got a second take if they don't like it. But if they like it, it's in there. Yeah. But um, I'm good with improv. You know, a lot of lot of films I've been in, I've added a lot of dialogue. It felt that way with the, with the character. It really did. I always I, by, I, the, I, by, the, by, by, by the second show, they were like, no, no, no. It's not also. It's and or because sometimes I try to throw an Arthur thing, and they're like, also, no, yeah. no, 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 John. It says and. And I knew that was it. Yeah. Did what it drive you, you crazy you, at first, or did you get used to it, or like, how did you feel about it? You know, at first I was like, oh, now we're sticking to the script yeah. all of a sudden because yeah. it shows a hit or whatever. Yeah. You know? But made 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 a lot of sense. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's the way they ran it, and they knew what they were doing. So. Yeah. But he loved what I did in the first in the pilot. You know, he didn't say to me, no, 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 no. What are you saying? What is all this? He let me go. So how did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the backstory? Okay. I had an audition to go in as Tony. And I read it and I, I was like, I don't know, what the hell, what is this? Just to lay the table here, you had several acting credits under your belt before the show. Oh, yeah. You'd been in Copland, you'd been yeah. in Features, you'd done a lot of TV. Yeah. So you were a I, known quantity. A lot of independent films. Yeah. So you get an opportunity to read for Tony, which at this point means nothing to you, right? I think, I think David first saw me in Steve Buscemi's first film, Trees Lounge. Okay, yeah, that's right. You were in that. Um, so I could, and you know, go in for Tony, and I wasn't sure I wanted to. If I wanted to even go in. And I said to a good friend of mine, Nick Sandow, who's on Orange is the New Black, I said, you know, I got this audition. He said, yeah, me too. Um, I said, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I feel like going, I mean, what is this? Is it a mob comedy? I mean, what is it? And he said, you know, John, what the fuck? You never know. You should just go in. So he's my friend. I took his advice. I went in, auditioned for Tony. They, wanted, they, they uh, want you to come back as Paulie Walnuts. So I did that. And it, <laughs> In my mind, like, they call him walnuts because he walks funny, like he's walking on walnuts. Okay, okay. You know, we're crazy, you know? Then they said, they want to know if you would be Tony in auditions with the, with the kids. All right, I'll do that. They want to know if you'd be Tony in auditions with Edie. I already knew Edie, too. I said, all right. Would you be Tony in auditions with the mother? I said, man, what is this? I'm not a reader. I mean... So um, I did it, you know. And then they said they wanted you to be Artie. And I said, Artie? The chef? <laughs> I wanted to be like a tough guy, man. Yeah. So I made something out of Artie. Interesting. I brought the mustache in, you know, the whole thing. I grew a mustache in. Why do you think they were having you be the guy that was a, I don't want to use the word stand-in because it seems a little David like liked me. David thought I was really, David liked me. Yeah. He saw me and he couldn't make up his mind where he wanted me to be. It's a hard decision, right? I mean, when you're, when for, you're casting an ensemble. For him, for him it is. Yeah. I mean, some people, like, right away he knew. Yeah. But for me, he couldn't really figure out. He, he knew he liked me and he wanted me in somewhere, but he couldn't figure out where. Yeah. 
And does he have to lock you up? Like from a business end, does, does he have to get you on paper before you go do something else? Is that part of the, is there an urgency there? Yeah, there was for the pilot, yeah. yeah. And uh, Artie, I think, was only meant to be in the pilot. I'm not really sure. But then, uh, you know, with test audiences, Artie tested well, and I guess they started writing for me, you know. He's based on, uh, Artie is based on David yeah. Chase's college roommate, a guy named Daniel Summers. Do you know anything about this? And no. did you ever meet him? No. I thought it was a family member that owned the restaurant. The internet, man. That's yeah. Tony would say, fucking internet. But you never fucking know, man. <laughs> uh, David has a cousin named Arthur. Okay. So you get the role of Artie, and you played it magnificently. It's one of my favorite characters. This is why one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this in person. There's a, about a dozen people that I wanted to sit face-to-face -face with, and you were one of them because uh, I can relate to him on a lot of levels, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm an attorney by training, and I was not doing what I wanted to do with my life and Artie's always looking for something better. So very relatable. Christopher, very relatable in that yeah. regard. Why, I'm gonna ask a few questions about Artie, but initially, the thing that blows my mind, as well as many others who watch the show over and over again, Artie gets away with everything. With Tony. Yes. How is he the only person that can walk away unscathed? There's no line, there's no boundary. What did you make of it then? What do you make of it now? Well. For whatever reason, Tony loves Artie. I mean, they were childhood friends. They went to high school together. They went through a lot of things together. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a, a real passion and a fierceness to Artie. And also, he could have, he knows how to have fun. You yeah. know? But I think Tony felt kind of protective of him, like he was a little brother in a way, or something, you know? And it was scripted that way, but I also felt James kind of felt that way about me because most of my stuff was with him. Yeah. It was Ryan like Shear. me and him. Or me you and, and Charmaine. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's how we, as fans, know the character. We know you through your interactions with, with Tony, with yeah. James. I mean, look, he burnt down my restaurant. He had it burnt down because somebody was going to get killed in there. He didn't want to ruin my business. So he blew it up instead. I mean... He knew I was fucking, what it means to me. Yeah. I was, was fucking heartbroken. And then when he looks me in the face, he says, I swear on my mother. Right. In the parking lot. And Artie just suddenly is like, what did I, what am I doing? Like, I'm going crazy, you know? Yeah. He felt for me. You know, he, he would slap and then kiss me. Slap, kiss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what's the matter with you? Right. When, when he was in love with Adriana, you know? Yeah. That scene, by the way. He's supposed to slap me in the face when I said, you know, whatever. No, as soon as Christopher leaves, he doesn't say nothing. He just slaps me. And we had a stunt guy. And me and Tony are outside. Me and Jimmy are outside having a cigarette outside the studio. And I said, you know what, man? Just fucking slap me. <laughs> and he goes, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. This guy slaps me. His hands are, his hands are like as big as a fucking dinner plate. He slapped me, and my head hit the, like the, um, the whatever the, the, what do you call it, the, 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 like the pillar in the restaurant, okay. you know the. 
And my fucking head was ringing, man. He had to slap me about 12 more times. To get the right take? Yeah, that's wow. the, now we're showing this way, now we're shooting this oh, way, and now we're coverage. gonna- Yeah, get the coverage. But, you know, he would, he'd, so he'd like, something like that, he'd slap Artie, and then he'd laugh at him, and then kiss him. Yeah, that was their relationship. It was love, man. Yeah. Would, would T take a bullet for Artie? Did it go that deep? Nah, I don't think he would take a bullet for anybody except maybe his kids or his wife. What about vice versa? Probably. Artie would? Probably would. Because he's... Sure. Because he's that impulsive. Yeah. So there was a mutual love on both sides. Yeah. Artie doesn't, doesn't always think things through. Yeah. He just comes out with it. Yeah. Yeah. But they have a connection uh, that few people have on this earth. Yeah. But, you know, Tony can't... You see Artie, Artie's out on the boat with him and they do some things together, yeah. right? They're at the... The kids go to school together. They're at the soccer game. They're at... But they can't hang like they used to. Yeah. Because of... Uh, Tony's got too many... Yeah, he can't. can't mix that. So I think Artie... Sometimes it's like... Fucking, we used to hang out together, man. You know? Little hurt. There was a period in season one where Tony's trying to get Artie to put money on the street. Yeah. To just to try to get him in the game. Was there ever any discussion or an alternate universe where Artie would join the family? Or was it always was there always a very clear line in the sand? David never wanted that to happen. Okay. That was very clear. You get the question though, right? Like oh, yeah. the seduction I, I, of getting rich. I was like, hey, maybe maybe Artie's gonna get mixed up and yeah. David's like, no way, man. Okay. No way. It was better that way. But yeah. as a fan, you're always kinda like, you know, we want Artie to be successful too. You know, we want Artie to be sure. when he when he when he realizes that his tab just got wiped and he has to basically feed Tony for life. He tried to go into Armagnac. Yeah. Great. And then he then he tried to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> In real life, since uh, the show, do you have a relationship with someone as close as uh, Artie did with Tony? A friendship like that? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I have a couple, uh, you know, I think. A guy that you went to school with as a kid? Me and Michael went to acting school together. Yeah. I know him since he was 17 and I was 19. Oh, you guys are only a couple years apart. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> we came up acting together. Yeah. We did movies together, we did plays together, we ended up on The Sopranos together. Yeah. Was that accidental? The, just, the, just turned out that way. Yeah, how yeah. could it not be? Yeah. He got, he got a role. I got a role. I'm like, no similar agents. No, like we had the same manager for a while. The same manager. But um, I remember the first time that we got recognized. We were at, we were at Radio City Music Hall for this Roy Jones fight. Yeah. And as we're coming into the place, it's like the whole place stood up and every head started turning around. And we're like, what? We're looking behind us. <laughs> What's this? It was us. It was the first time we were like, wow. What season? It was right after, it was right after the pilot came out. So it was 99, you know. Okay. We shot the pilot in 97, yep. but it didn't come out till 99. Yeah. So, you know, we're in the bathroom at the urinal and people are trying to shake our hands. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And then me and Michael were, you know, we're watching the fight. And then I see Michael, he's like two rows ahead of me or a row ahead of me. 
turn around and look at me and give me a look like. Can you believe we're here? You know? And we've, we just did a movie together a couple years ago that's going to be at the Metrograph in uh, November. Uh, Cabaret Maxime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, it, you, you think about what the show would be like in today's culture with social media, the level of star, you know. Do you still get Artie on the street? Is it a daily thing for I'm you? I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It happens all the time. Does it bother you or are you? No, no, not at all. Is it's he a fine. part of you? Yeah. I mean, I answer to Artie. You know, people would be driving by, Artie! Yeah. It means I got to smile sometimes. People will be walking by me and they'll be like, have a good day. And I know what, what's going on. Of course. Because I, I honestly, I don't walk around thinking, oh, I'm Artie. No. Like, they're going to know it. Like, I just, I just live the way I live. And then, then it's like I'm always reminded. Yeah. And, you know, these days, like, like a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old kid will come up to me and say, Mr. Ventimiglia, I just want to tell you, I just started watching the show. Because they were too young, not even born. Of course, know? yeah. It tells you that you're a part of a timeless piece of American culture. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, you forever. Know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting across from you right now. Obviously, people, listeners aren't going to see this, but you look just like Artie. There's a, <laughs> there's a few actors that have, with time, right. they've changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because Jimmy was, Jimmy wasn't much older than me. He was only like two years older than yeah. me. Yeah. But it felt at the time like... A big brother. Well, he, maybe I got need to try to see him a little bit older. More mature? Yeah, like yeah. older. Like, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I just thought I looked a, a lot younger than Jimmy in a way. Gotcha. But also, you know, in those days, people, if they were 35, they acted like they were 50. That's, that's, that's how life was. Right. You, know? you had to be mature, you know yeah. what I mean? You grow up fast. You grow up fast. Especially when you're coming up in that world. <coughs> Definitely. You want to make him, Definitely. he was the heir to the throne, so to speak. My favorite sequence of uh, Arthur Bucco, uh, the Jean-Philippe fight. Yeah. The, the, the practicing in the mirror. Yeah. Pre-fight. Michael is, wrote that. Yeah, Michael wrote that episode, exactly. I actually messaged him. We released that episode that we uh, dissected a few weeks ago, and I told him to listen to it. He talked about the Webendorfer factory in, the, in that episode, where his grandfather and where David Chase's dad both worked. And I gave a whole little history on John oh, really? Webendorfer, the guy that owned that company. No shit. So I thought we'd get a kick out of it. That's how nerdy the podcast you is. You know, in that same episode, Christopher is at a party with Lufthansa wait, uh, stewardesses, and they're all like partying in this room. Yeah. And there's a moment when he goes into the bathroom, he's all fucked up, and he looks in the mirror. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. He, he's doing this. Yeah, yeah, and that's like something like, so I had a mirror. You had a moment. Mirror. He had a mirror moment. And Sony had a mirror moment in, in that the as same well. episode, yeah. Same episode where he's taking the pills. I never um, asked Michael, but I just assumed like, he, there's no coincidence. The guy's a good writer. You yeah, know I mean? great writer. And it's very symmetrical. So yeah. it was an episode where everybody was checking themselves in the mirror, yeah. uh, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Uh, even AJ. AJ's yeah. having a moment where he's trying to impress the oh, yeah. girls in yeah, his life. Yeah. And um, he's kind of looking at himself because the girl that he's with is like real money. Yeah. And AJ's talking about how we have a cleaning lady three times a week. And then he pulls into his girlfriend's estate, right? right yeah, she's I got a date. That. Yeah, and that's a, right. Yeah, and yeah. A car court. And, yeah. a, and he's like, what? And Picasso on the wall. Yeah. And all four guys, four characters in the show, are checking themselves yeah. in there. The fight, though, with Jean Philippe. Yeah. Come on, man. 
Artie should have had him, no problem, right? Especially in light of what he did to Benny in season six. Yeah. A little bit of... Should have had him. Come see, come saw. Cheers. Yeah. You know, should have had him. You, are you with me on that? Like, yeah. I get maybe he grew into the role in season six where he beats the shit out of uh, uh, Benny, but I feel like what we know, Artie could have taken that guy, no problem. Sure. I mean, little French guy. <laughs> when he says, fuck to your mother, yeah. right? He really hit me in the face. He, oh, he was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Like, oh my God. It's all right, man. We had yeah. put a little ice pack on it. Buscemi directed that episode. Great. Yeah. Steve's great to have around. The speech that episode, later that episode, in the hospital, uh, one of Artie's best moments. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite moment playing the character? That's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah, for sure. Great dialogue. Yeah, it's like a hawk. Airtight, like a hawk. You, you just thought about it at internet speed. Yeah. And you, you're thinking you like make 18 all the steps. Permutations. All the permutations. Yeah. And it's the way that you, the way that that dialogue is able to take. Because uh, I just had a realization. Tony's face, and he's melting yeah. in front of you. Melting. Oh, the cobwebs are now removed. The cobwebs are now removed. Great That's when he just that. gets his like. The light went on. Do you think he was? Like, is it, what, like, was he really thinking that? That I'm going to get meals for life? Or was that just... I, I don't think... giving I don't, him too I much credit? Yeah, I don't think he thought about it. Like, I'm going to do this. Because we say, it just comes with the territory. Because we say that Tony's playing chess, not checkers, with everybody yeah. that he's dealing with. Yeah. But is he... In that, in that particular instance, was he really looking for a free meal? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. The guy could have whatever he wanted, really. Yeah. I mean... The way you know, it played I out. Think, you know what? It's just that Artie felt like Tony just kind of took him for granted. Yeah. Not the food or the mind, you know, just right. like, it's my friend Artie, don't worry about it. Yeah. I, I, it's Artie. Yeah. I'm his friend, we're friends. Right. It's like, you know, you make me feel bad, man. You know, it's never like we have a talk. I never said to you, hey, do this, whatever you want. You right. Know? Like, have a little respect. I think that's what... You know, look at the guy's in a hospital bed. He just tried to kill himself. And, you know, he's, he's going through a lot of emotional shit. He jumps, uh, Tony jumps out of his bed to run to Artie. It's very few yeah. people he would do yeah, that yeah, for. Yeah, 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 he ran to um, me. Which is something that, again, it makes the, the Artie character so, uh, almost like a, like a viewer surrogate because we want so badly to root for Tony at all times. Yeah. We don't want to see his pathology as like a, basically a murderer and adulterer and Artie's one of the vehicles where through which we can be like oh he's like a big teddy bear after all and what Artie said to him you know and you know you get and at the end of it you know yeah you, you get everything's on the house or whatever he goes suicide yeah fuck he could, <laughs> and Artie just melts and starts crying yeah. take the rest man the way you immediately started crying when yeah genius <laughs> um Tony and Artie don't speak after that incident, it's probably in the scripting. They reconcile uh, later in season six when Tony lets him live in Livia's house instead of uh, yeah. Motel Six. My question is: Was the lag in character development like a scheduling thing? Was it a production thing? Any behind-the-scenes or general thoughts on what happened between Tony and Artie from the you, hospital you know, to? It's kind of like that putting the money on the street kind of thing. It never went anywhere. Okay. And same thing with that. Maybe like they thought it would be funny to have them living together. Yeah. I imagine like, oh, here we go. Like Tony's gonna be in the room with some chick 
And Artie's trying to sleep, and he, you know, he's going to hear like banging on the wall or whatever all night long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. It's real. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, David changed his mind at some point. Said, you know what? I'm not sure where this is going to go. Let's kind of let's make a turn. Let's curve it out of here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Because it didn't go anywhere. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And there's a couple of drop-off points in the show with different characters, and that one in particular with Artie is like, where the fuck's Artie? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who were you closest with? Michael, uh, James, yeah. Steve Schuipa. Uh You know, even Tony Sirico. It's, you know, we all used to go out together. Yeah. So we were like a little group of us. Yeah. You know? You were in the inner circle, inner yeah. sanctum. Yeah, yeah, inner sanctum. We, we, to did, use Michael we did appearances words. together. Okay. So we'd go to casinos, yeah. and it would be generally like me, Michael, Vince Caratola, Steve Schuppe, uh Tony Sirico, Jimmy, sometimes Lorraine, sometimes Drea. Yeah. But that was basically the, the group. What aspects of Artie's storyline do you wish had gone another way? Is there anything that you wish had gone another way? Anything stuck in your craw, that kind of question. Like we were talking about where he kind of falls out for a little while. Yeah. Like, where'd he go? And yeah. even like in the last season, he's not around much. Right. Uh, yeah, I would have liked to, you know, I would have liked more of that, the momentum to keep going for mm-hmm. him. But, you know, they would say to me so many times, you know, like, we love Artie, but he's not one of the guys. It's hard to keep finding a way for him to fit in there all the yeah. time. I mean, they went out of their way to give me some big, big shows, you know. I always think about things from a prism of, like, the business, and especially in this current climate of uh, television consumption. Artie's a perfect spin-off character. Yeah, totally. Like, was that even a thing that was discussed? Spin-offs? No. No. You people, see it? People would say it to me. Yeah. But no, nobody in power. So you know uh, Will Janowitz, who played Finn, yeah. a Meadows boyfriend? Yeah. He's another spinoff character. Uh, 20 years later, a, he's a dentist, right? He went to dental school. So it's basically Finn DiTrolio DDS. And yeah. it's basically the concept that I, I, when I had him on the show, we talked about it, we joked about it. Like his waiting room could be a front, you know, where transactions would totally. happen. And, it, and I'm like, why isn't that not on Netflix? Why isn't the because the, Because the people that are, are, the people that can make that decision aren't interested in any of that. You know, much, much worse uh, every, television has been every, made, though. Everybody thought we could, we should have at least made a movie. Yeah. Well, the I prequel's mean, coming out, right? Yeah, but that's... Pre-Gandolfini passing away, do you think a sequel would have happened? Do you think his death cemented it not happening? But had he lived, do you think it would have happened? A, a movie? Yeah. No. They didn't want to. I mean, I, I think even going the last season was like, all right, we'll go one more then. Yeah. Um, were they checked out? Yeah, I think I think James was done. I think David was kind of done. David, I f- think, feels like he went as far as he could go with the show. He just kind of, I don't think he, f- the way I understand it, he, he didn't want to push it. He didn't want to jump the shark or you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to quit while you're ahead? Yeah, kind of he kind of felt like I did it. You know, look, yeah. look at the honeymooners. We're talking about them. It was like two, one season. Yeah. I mean, 56 episodes. Right. But it's like one year and... Jack Lee's on top of the world and goes, all right, I did everything I'm going to do with this guy. Let's, what's next? It's like the great athlete that retires in their prime. You know? You just remember Sandy the good Koufax. stuff. Barry Sanders. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. just on and on. Um, do you think the show retired in its prime or do you think the show went on a little too long? 
Um, for my tastes, my my favorite uh, scenes are like the first three. Okay. Three or four. It's interesting. You know, because things started really expanding yeah. with the New Jersey thing yeah. and all that. New York coming in, Johnny Sack. Yeah, and you Tony know. Tony Blundetto. And I, just me personally. I mean, there's still a lot of good acting and a lot great of good, acting. Great, good shit yeah. going on. But when it was like a smaller world. Yeah. The universe was strictly New Jersey. I liked it better. Okay. More you know, intimate. Yeah. More uh, visceral. Yeah. I'm going to say a name. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind. James Gandolfini. Big heart. Uh, generous. For, you know. Were you at his funeral? Yeah. Where were you when you found out? I uh, was on the phone, I was in Park Slope, and I was coming out of a store, and Michael called me, and he said, Jimmy's gone. He said I was like in a daydream after that. I, I, I might have even fallen on the floor. I, I don't remember. I might have gone right down on the sidewalk for a second. Jimmy's a pretty common name, but you knew what he meant when he said Jimmy. There was only one Jimmy for you, yeah. for you guys. Yeah, that was it. That was our Jimmy. You know, he, he did things for people, and you wouldn't even know it. You know, after he was gone, somebody said to me, hey, remember that time that that thing, you know, who, it was Jimmy. <clears throat> but aside from that, <clears throat> You know, we shared all this time working together. We became very close in that way. We had our own bond, you know. Yeah. I mean, the whole gang of us did. But me and him in particular, you know. Like, like uh, I went to see him when he was doing God of Carnage, and we went out afterwards, and he said, you know, they're moving the, they're moving the show to L.A. You know, I told the producers, you should, you should do it. You'd be better at that role than me. Like, as actors, as well as people, we really admired each other. And... You know, he was just everybody's fucking hero, man. Yeah. I mean, just that character he portrayed, but also like the person he was in life, man. You know, he liked to, he loved to laugh, and he's a good family man, and you know, I don't know what else he can ask for. He just, he just, he's just, he's just so attractive. Yeah. He's Mag magnetic. magnetic. I mean, we said it at the same time. That's it. I mean, yeah. you know, I. Some of my, my, one of my really close friends who's also an actor, you know, who I knew James and through me, you know, because we also hang out together. He said he had a dream that Jimmy was just holding him up, like like he was a little baby, just like smiling in his face, like it's the kind of things, you know, like. I had, I had a bunch of dreams about him, you know? You still dream about him from time to time? I had a dream about him last week. Not about him, but he was part of he it. He was in it. He was in it. Yeah. It's part of your consciousness. Forever. Yeah. You know, forever will be. David Chase. Hilarious. <laughs> but deceptively hilarious to those that don't know him. Right. Very intimidating. No, but I've been around him yeah. when, you know, he's... He's really intelligent, he's really insightful, and he really 
appreciates history. Um, whether it's acting, you know, artists, different artists. Like yeah. me and him would talk about silent film, Laurel and Hardy, like. And when, when he likes what you're doing, he lets you know. And, but, you know, also, he's the boss. And, you know, if he's not in the mood for fucking around and you're trying to joke around with him, he'll just, he won't, re he'll, look, he'll give you the deadest look with those eyes. You just want to slink, slink away. Because we're not all buddies, yeah. man. He's yeah, yeah. the boss. Right. You know what I mean? Did you ever get those eyes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did James ever get those eyes? I did something really stupid one time. Do you want to share it? Yeah, we were at like the Emmys or something, and I think it was, you know that scene where Uncle Junior falls in the shower and he goes, ah, yeah. your sister's cunt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're having a good time, man. We're also, you know. And I w went over to David and I go, ah, your sister's cunt. And he was sitting right next to his daughter. And, you know, she heard me. And he just looked at me like, didn't say a word, and I just went, oops. That... A little bit of this? Yeah. yeah. Idiot. So, uh... Did you know, James ever get those eyes? We were, I, don't, I don't think he... I don't think were so. They, were they in simpatico from day one? They were in simpatico day, day one. Edie Falco. Powerhouse. Brilliant. Courageous. Yeah. Uh, very... And, and, and also, you know... Um, yeah, I just, I really admire you a lot. Catherine Narducci. Uh, she's very, she's, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, there's something really vulnerable, vulnerable about her. Very honest. She's, she's, she's very honest. She, she you know, if, if you, you know exactly how she feels because there's no subterfuge going on, you know? Michael Imperioli. Uh, dear friend, like a brother. Stevie Van Zant. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy, man. Tony Sirico. He's, he's kind of like an uncle to my, to my daughter. <laughs> Heard he's not in good health, is he okay? He's getting old. Yeah. Uh, but I, did, I didn't like Tony when I first met him. He was very abrasive. But we grew to really love each other. How are your real life cooking skills? They're, they're pretty good for a guy. You know, for a guy. Uh, you know, I, I cooked for my daughters for a long time. And sometimes I'll get together with friends and we'll cook together. What's your go-to dish? Um, you know, like... Anything Italian, you know, I make, I make a good steak. But my mom taught me how to make pasta sauce from scratch and certain vegetable dishes, you know. Chicken cutlet was always a big hit. <laughs> what was uh, Artie's, uh, the, the rabbit? You ever cooked a rabbit in real life? My mother used to all the time. Okay. I, I, I never did. Had to ask. I had to cut that head off though a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so there were a couple of different rabbits in that. Yeah. Yeah. How many? Like three? Yeah, about three. And then Was it uncomfortable for you or were you, were you down no, for whatever? Are you down. generally down for whatever as an actor? Yeah. Yeah. 
let it go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless something is wrong, but... What's the craziest I'm, role I'm generally played? down for anything. Yeah. I, I had to jump in the Hudson River in a movie called Ponies. Okay. Oh, that was another Michael Imperioli project, right? It was Nick Sandow yeah. directed it, and Mike Batistic wrote it, and when we were doing the play, one of the actors left and Michael took over, so me and Michael were in there together, like, doing our thing together. So man. you jumped in the Hudson River? Yeah. I, I had to wear a wetsuit underneath my suit. Okay. But the thing is, you don't just jump in and jump out and it's over. Right. I mean, they were shooting me underwater. Yeah. So probably the better part of six hours I was in there. Wow. Thoughts on the prequel movie next year? Uh, I, I know that there's young Artie Buko's in it. Do you know who the actor is that's playing young Artie Buko? I, I don't know his name, but somebody, they, somebody they, sent me a picture. And said, did, they reach, did they reach out to you? No. The actor for like research or? Nope. No? I was invited to the kickoff party. Okay. That's where I found out. And I said, that's cool. I like that. He's Jimmy's friend. He's Tony's friend. They were in high school together, you know. Yeah. And Michael Gandolfini's playing Tony. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see all I'm just how I'm, it plays out. Say, I mean, I didn't read it or anything, so. But yeah, I hope it does great, and I'm really curious. About I mean, it. the fans are going to flock to it no matter what. Yeah. You know, Soprano fans are going to go to it, but it's such a tough ask to make it equivalent. Imagine if you were Michael. Yeah. I can't. I, mean, I can't. <laughs> but, can't. you know, they asked him, and, uh, and he did it. It's a ton of pressure. I, I would imagine that it is, but yeah. I'm glad it was him and not somebody else, though. I agree. It couldn't be. I think the timing and as far as the universe and the galaxy lining up to make it so... It was a per the fact that they look so similar, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if you looked completely different, it wouldn't have worked as well. Right. It's the essence yeah. that's there. Lightning round, wrapping up. Last good book you read. You're a reader, I'm assuming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man of the Arts? Reading as research. So like flipping through different art books or history books for a uh, project you're thinking about getting yeah involved in? just for my own kind okay. of edification uh, yeah uh professor and the madman maybe okay that i think that i think that's meant to be a movie sometime soon are you a bookstore guy do you go to any of the bookstores i used to all the time i have i have the old sign from community bookstore okay on my wall oh nice it's about 14 feet long. What's the story there? Why do you have that sign? Because I used to go there all the time. It was like the community bookstore. Yeah. You know, what happened to used it? Used books. What happened to everything? Yeah. Fucking raised the rent. Couldn't hack it. Yeah. And now it's uh, now it's another realtor's office. Love it. Favorite music right now? Favorite music. What have you been listening to in the last week? You know, I still listen to a lot of the stuff I listen to. I don't, I don't listen to anybody new. Nothing new? Nothing really. Nothing's really grabbed me. Uh, you know, because I, I compose my own music. Yeah. So I'm usually listening to that. Because I'm playing with other people, and sometimes I'm listening to, like, our last rehearsal or... Do you play out live? Like, do you have, like, We're a... We're planning like, on it. I have okay. in the past. Do you have, like, a group? Like, a organized... I got some guys that I've been playing with. Okay. That's, hopefully will be my group. Um, it's all my music. I do the singing, you know. So, I mean, if I listen to something, I'll, I'll um, 
maybe the Beatles occasionally. I listen to like everybody from like you know, I'm I'm like a still a big Dylan guy. Okay. By the way, I Leonard asked, Cohen guy. I love Leonard Cohen. Nick Cave guy. Yeah. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, they've got some new albums. He's done a, he's released like two or three albums in the last couple of years. I asked this question because music is a central piece of the Sopranos. Yeah. And um, I love to get into the heads of everybody that was a part of the show. I have yet to be disappointed with the musicality of everybody involved. Um, I, I listen to musicals, old musicals. Yeah, okay. I'll listen to, um, uh, you know, they wrote, I am the very model of a modern major general. Oh. Uh, the, two guys, two British. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll yeah. listen to some of their orchestrations, okay. you know, I mean, I'll listen to some of their... I just, I, I still got a bunch of records, you know? Do you record uh, at your place or do you have a studio? I record in my place. Okay. Yeah. I have a garage band. I was, that was what I was getting at, because I'm an audio nerd. So uh, you yeah. use, oh. use garage band to, to arrange your, your tracks. Yeah. I'd love to hear some stuff. Send me, uh, send me a link. I will sometime. Most treasured possession from the show? Um, well, I have an Artie jacket, chef jacket. I have the... Uh, you still fit in it? Yeah. That right there is a life milestone, my friend. The fact that you can fit into something that you wore 20-some years ago, that's awesome. I cannot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got some things, you know, some uh, things that we all signed together. Yeah. Cigar boxes right. and, you know... Uh, there's a uh, I have a poster of a bunch of us on Cigar Aficionado cover of Cigar Aficionado I know that yeah I know that cover signed by everybody yeah it's framed really nicely you know some scripts favorite spot in the city well there used to be like a bar restaurant on Spring Street I mean it's still there where a bunch of us, when we were doing the show, would meet, we'd sit outside, yeah. have some drinks, laugh. That was my favorite place then. You know, it's like, I mean, Central Park or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful places. Red Hook, you know, down by the yeah. water. My rooftop. I, I, you know, just wherever I am is my favorite place. You know, right now, this is my favorite place right now. When people are like, what's your favorite restaurant? I, I never have an answer. I, I don't have one. I don't know. Just grateful to be outside. And what's your favorite this and that? I, I don't know. I don't have it. You know well, I, mean? I got one more favorite question <laughs> for you. So There's people that know they have their own list. Yeah. And I don't know what it says about me. Maybe I should pay more attention. That there's, a, there's a statue of uh, St. Lucie on the corner here. I saw her when I walked by. That's one of my favorite places. Okay. I see her from my window. Yeah. When I was a kid, I got my cheekbone smashed in a Zell ball accident at the park. What's Zell ball? Big square paddles, you hit the tennis ball on a rope around the Oh, pole. gotcha, yeah. And my eye was in danger of um, t- turning turning the wrong way. You know yeah. I mean? Like white eye, yeah. becoming Mr. White Eye. Yeah. And I was like nine. And we went to all these specialists and everybody and we went to, we took, we had to go, we went to Sicily that summer and my mother kept putting to go to the church of St. Lucy, whose hand is like got holy water in it. She'd dunk her hand, I could just come back. She'd like press it on my eye like every day. And you know, it turned out that never had to have an operate. They wanted to do hideous shit, like go inside my mouth behind my eye, like. 
and turned out never had to have an operation, nothing ever happened. And, I, and one of my favorite aunts, name is Lucy, and my oldest daughter is Lucy. So that, that, I like that statue. I like that it's right. I like that I can see it from my window. Are you religious? Not really. I, I went to Catholic school yeah. as a kid. I, I wouldn't say I'm religious, but um, but I like some of the stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like the meaning of things. Yeah, I went to Catholic school too. Stories are the best part. Parables. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, you know. I wouldn't, I, I, the only way that I'm religious in, is, is that I like to connect things. Yeah. I like to link back to yeah. the past. And you know what I mean? Like that's religious to relink, you know, like oh. relegio. I like that. So that's, you have an awareness. In, you in have that, a spiritual yeah, awareness. In that but you're way, not in that way. Indoctrinated. I'm really, yeah. But um Breakfast of Choice. John Ventimiglia's Breakfast of Champions. <laughs> it would be too over easy with uh, potatoes. And you know, sometimes like good bacon. You know, well you done? Go, not necessarily well done, just cooked right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of places I, I, I order bacon, they give you like six slabs that are stuck together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Just horrible. No, no passion. It turned me off of bacon for, for a while. Yeah. If you, whatever you eat, the quality's got to be good. Of course. You know? As uh, Artie would say, qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est, man? <laughs> Favorite tea? I'm assuming you drink tea. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's either chamomile or, or mint green. Or, okay. Finally, uh, favorite project you've been a part of that's not The Sopranos? I'd say the last one, uh, Cabaret Maxime was one of my favorite. And there's been a lot. Yeah, you've done a lot. Yeah. There's been a lot, but that might be my favorite one. You know, I, 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 I get to wear a costume, you know, I'm an MC of a cabaret. Yeah. So I can do shit like put one eyelash, you know, one false set of eyelashes on. I could have a wig, I could wear spats and have a cane. Yeah. What I always wanted to do, man. I got to ask because it just came to my mind. I was thinking back on your filmography. Was Copland a big get for you? Like, were you pumped when you, you got know, that? Copland, the same thing they were doing to me. Like, would you, would you read Stallone? At these, th- I swear to God, like he, he couldn't be bothered to come in and do it himself or something. Yeah, it was, but it was kind of a disappointment because I was on the thing for like literally, like seven weeks. Yeah, but I, I only ended up in like two or three moments. Yeah, I mean that happens a lot. They, whenever somebody mentions Copland, I always go fuck that. Who the reason cares? I ask, the only reason I, and I didn't go there all this time. But the reason I ask is, did that role no. give you any like extra credit for The Sopranos, or had they no. had you not been in Copland, it's still man, okay. nobody gives a shit that I was in Copland. Okay. You're just sitting around a bar, and yeah. everybody else is doing the acting. Uh, same thing with Bullets Over Broadway. I mean, I was in a scene. The scene didn't get used. You see me sitting. You see me standing there for a second. You know, like, and people say, "Oh, I see Bullets Over Broadway," and you think. I fucking erased that, man. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing anything in the fucking movie. Sure. But I like being around Woody Allen. You know. Few people can say that. Yeah. John, thank you many yeah. times over for joining me for lunch here in this beautiful spot, indulging my questions and being part of this project. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking.